Just say the word. 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 Hello, I'm Paul Mangel. And I'm Yulia Stancheva. Welcome to Just Say the Word, a podcast in which we pay homage to our relationship with words, their meaning, and their power to create our world. In every episode, we invite a special guest and ask them, "What is your word? What does it mean to you? Where does it come from?" As we immerse ourselves in the world of each guest, we'll tell you the story of their chosen word and how it relates to their life's experiences, successes, and achievements. In this episode, Paul is talking to Ashley Brown, a chairman and CEO at Brown Bear Books and Windmill Books. Before setting up his own company, Ashley was ghostwriting history books for public figures. So, Ashley Brown, welcome to Just Say the Word. And the time has come for you to just say the word. Truth. Why did you choose truth? Uh, what does it mean to you? Why have you brought it along today? I first became interested in truth because I trained as a historian. And after I graduated, I went to France and did my research into the French Revolution. And I found that the French view of their great revolution was totally at odds with almost everything I'd been told in the UK by my, my English um, teachers and uh, my history teachers at university. And it suddenly struck me that there was a way of looking at the world which might be equally true and yet might be very different to what I'd been brought up with. So truth in this sense is, is exclusively around historical truth or, or philosophical truth, uh, scientific truth. What other truths do you accept? I'm very interested in um, political truth, um, particularly at the present time because of the problems with politicians such as um, Trump and uh, Boris Johnson who seem to have a very relaxed attitude to telling lies. And... I'm also very interested in the way that authoritarian regimes at the moment seem to be very, very prone to telling um, enormous untruths and just carrying on telling them and saying that uh, opposition to this, to their position is just a farce and it doesn't matter. And um, that seems to me very depressing. You're a book uh, writer, book publisher, you're an editor. Truth must play an enormous part in your thought processes in, in editing, writing, publishing. How does it figure in? Um, I produce books for the international educational market, essentially, and it is one thing to produce a science book describing the periodic table, for example, quite another thing to produce a book which talks about terrorism in the modern world where there are many sensitivities that you have to be aware of, but where different cultures have completely different views of what a terrorist is or what terrorism might involve. So our output of historical books has to be very carefully thought through and we have to be aware of what we think of as the truth and then work out what our clients may think of as the truth. That's a complicated business. Do you bear in mind that what I'm saying now is as true as it can be, um, but but maybe there is some extension of this over time? Is, is that a legitimate statement? There certainly is an extension of what might be true over time. And as more information becomes available, we may change what we think of as the truth. Two things come to mind immediately here. One is that terrorism, which I mentioned earlier, in the Middle East is something that is very, very sensitive for, certainly for Israeli audiences, obviously, but for um, US audiences as well. 
And to start a book on terrorism in the Middle East with, say, the um, Leahy and the Stern gang of the 1940s and talk about the hanging of the British sergeants and the bomb that blew up the King David Hotel in Jerusalem is something that an American audience finds very, very difficult. They would prefer to think of terrorism as starting in the late 1960s with the activities of the PLO. So that's something where I can try and explain that there is an equivalence between the two, but their culture may their cultural attitudes may be so hardened that they find this very difficult to accept. Um, you know, we're, we're delving down into, into the word truth. Um, are there any universal truths uh, within uh, ancient wisdom or ancient slash modern philosophy which are passed on from generation to generation? Are there things that you think are universal truths? I do think there are universal truths. People tend to avoid unfortunate truths if they possibly can. For example... In terms of military history, people always want to believe that the soldiers of their state or their side are good, and it is the enemy who does bad things. And the Duke of Wellington was the man who um, put pay to that very simply when a woman said to him, well, surely English soldiers never run away. And the Duke of Wellington said, all soldiers run away, madam. But to go on, I think there are um, universal truths, and I think the great religions do have wonderful truths within them. Um, Buddha, for example, um, Buddhism's life is suffering. Um, let's go to the Old Testament, to old ancient Jewish religion. Man is born unto trouble as sparks to fly upward. Or in the New Testament, Christianity, Matthew's Gospel, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or to the Quran's stirring evocation of struggle in the word jihad and the way it's it's um, organised into a central part of the Quran. I think they contain great truths about the human condition, which we should never forget. And then there are other truths about what human beings are. The truth is that children should be brought up being loved and cherished. All people are capable of both good and evil, and that humans are curious and inventive but they're also very easily seduced by baubles and flattery and so on. These, these are truths about, about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Thinking again around you know, the truth that's contained within faith, sometimes that's dangerous, isn't it? You know, that, that it's, it's, it's when people want to defend a truth and they see another truth and those truths become uh, in conflict. You know, people see that they're, you know, they, they, they believe. How do you unpick the notion of uh, antagonistic truths? That's one of the most difficult historical questions, but it's also a question that we have to deal with today. Uh, for example, when we're dealing with why millions, tens of millions of Americans seem to believe President Trump's lie about the election being stolen, or why, just to take a very contemporary example, why so many um, Tory party members would still want Boris Johnson as Prime Minister, even though the electorate showed in the last two by-elections that the lies he told about Chris Pincher made him unfit for office. I, I do think it's difficult when people have a an underlying truth that they feel is important to them, and that means they disregard, um, let's say, a pattern of factual information on top of that. I, I think that that's a, a very, very tricky situation to be in. Truth is very simple. You don't need a verb in English to tell the truth. It's a, it's a phrase, whereas there is a verb to lie, and there are a lot of other words about lying, 
duplicity, misleading, conning, hypocrisy, dishonesty, deceit, fraud, crookedness, being disingenuous, being economical with the actuality, telling porkies. There's a whole list of things about lying and the reasons why people lie and what they lie about are a real source of information about themselves and their society. I'm reminded here of Churchill's great phrase that truth is so important that it must be covered by a cloak of lies. Um, which was his attitude towards um, Secret Service during World War II, for example. So I do think that the complexity of lying is the opposite of the much more straightforward attitude that truth is there and you ought to try to get as close to it as you can. It's a long, thorny, gnarly subject, isn't it? Figuring out, you know, is a lie the opposite of truth? And, and then, of course, there's that middle ground, which is, is there something in the middle that allows you to manipulate and manage the truth for what you consider to be a philosophical good? I'm glad you brought that up, because what you feel is not necessarily an objective truth. So you may feel that someone's haircut isn't very good. If they say to you, what's my hair like? You may say, I don't like it, but that would upset them. You're, you're trying not to hurt them. In the same way, you would not necessarily tell all the truth about what you know about a parent to a child because it might hurt the child. There are many reasons why you might avoid telling an absolute truth, but the whole thing about that is that you know what the truth is and you're deliberately obscuring something for reasons which you feel are worthwhile. Well, Ashley, thank you for being on Just Say The Word. Thank you. Just say the word. Just say the word. Truth, in its original sense, is the quality of faithfulness and sincerity. It also means in agreement with fact or reality. Words that have a similar meaning to truth are verity, candor, honesty, genuineness, gospel, accuracy, correctness, rightness, and validity. In the English language, some of the most popular idioms or phrases containing the word truth are if truth be told or to have a ring of truth, which means to be honest or frankly speaking. On the opposite end are nothing could be further from the truth or to be economical with the truth. Both phrases mean the same, to avoid telling the truth or basically to be lying. One of my favorite sayings about truth is there is truth in wine, or as the popular Latin phrase goes, in vino veritas, which means when people are drunk, they lose self-control and they often say the truth. Another saying goes like that, truth needs no colors. Because facts are facts, right? What is true is true, and it does not need decoration. And here is another one, the devil sometimes speaks the truth which means beware that liars can use the truth to trick you sometimes. But where does the word truth come from? Let's find out with Mette Tingi, who is our language detective in this episode. The etymology of the English word truth has Old West Saxon roots and it points to faith, fidelity and loyalty. Until the 14th century, the word sooth was used in relation to fact, reality and truth. Sooth is now archaic and out of use, but it can be found in Shakespeare's plays where it's often used with the verb say and the expression in sooth. For example, in Shakespeare's Macbeth we read, If I say sooth, I must report they were. 
as cannons overcharged with double cracks. Before Shakespeare, it was used also by Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales. In the 15th century, the noun sooth became obsolete and truth came to mean accuracy, correctness. All Germanic languages, apart from English, have introduced a terminological distinction between truth as fidelity and truth as factuality. To express factuality, North Germanic languages like Swedish, Norwegian, and my native Danish have nouns derived from sana, which means to assert. The West Germanic languages like German and Dutch opted for vara, which means faith, trust, pact. In Danish, my native language, we have a well-known saying about truth, a børn og fulde folk skal man høre sandheden. It means that children and drunk people are the people who tell you the truth, and it sort of connotes they're the only ones who are entirely truthful. For me personally, truth is of utmost importance. Truth is part of the very core of me. I make a big point of never lying to anyone. Of course, there are different versions of the truth, but I never lie. In any relationship, personal or professional, it's vital to have trust. You build that from truth. Truth may be highly praised and sought by honest men, but in truth, lying is very common. If you question that, all you need to do is look at the number of times lying is noted in works by well-known writers. Shakespeare, for example, in his play King Henry IV, cried, Lord, Lord, how this world is given to lying. And in the Winter's Tale, he said, let me have no lying. In the 19th century, English writer Samuel Butler commented, the best liar is he who makes the smallest amount of lying go the longest way. English poet Alfred Lord Tennyson noted that the half-truth is the worst of lies, because it is harder to prove wrong than a complete lie. In 1984, George Orwell wrote that myths that are believed in tend to become true, which is proved by Big Brother, who knows all, sees all and controls all. He can create or disappear information at will, inventing a new reality, twisting the truth and replacing it with lies. Another famous literature protagonist, Don Quixote, from Miguel de Cervantes' epic novel, who struggles to defend the truthfulness of the stories he loves, said, facts are the enemy of truth. The relationship between truth and art is quite intriguing. Some people argue that artists have the responsibility to convey only the truth, since the impact of their work gives them unusual power. For example, Picasso's painting Guernica from 1937 alerted the world to what was going on in the Spanish Civil War by depicting a village and its people destroyed by bombs. Surely a painting can give us correct information about people and places of the era it is depicting. But is it possible to create a fair, unbiased picture? Could two artists, looking at the same scene, produce identical paintings? Certainly not. Or as Pablo Picasso once said, art is the lie that reveals the truth. Picasso recognized that all art is abstract, even the so-called realism. Art may be all about illusion, but it can also teach us truths about ourselves 
and the world around us. Is the old cliché that the camera does not lie really true? Like most forms of art and media, film reflects the eternal human search for truth. Films can manipulate its audience to provoke emotions and reactions. There is a part of us that believes the reality of what we see, regardless of whether it is fiction or not. It is proven that cinema can easily change people's opinions and their outlooks on life. During World War II, for example, both Hitler and Stalin used movies as propaganda and did so very successfully. As opposed to propaganda, truthful cinema, or cinema verite, is a style of documentary filmmaking which combines improvisation with use of the camera to unveil truth. In cinema verite, the camera is always acknowledged. It performs the act of filming real objects, people and events in a confrontational way. The filmmaker's intention is to represent the truth as objectively as possible, freeing the viewer from any deceptions. There are many movies which have embraced the word truth in their titles and plots. Let's recount some of them, shall we? The Truth About Charlie with Mark Wahlberg, Tandy Newton and Tim Robbins from 2002. Madonna, Truth or Dare from 1991. I remember that movie, it was so provocative at the time. Have you watched it? The Truth About Cats and Dogs with Uma Thurman and Ben Chaplin from 1996. The Ugly Truth with Katherine Hegel and Gerard Butler from 2009. Where the Truth Lies with Kevin Bacon and Colin Firth based on Rupert Holmes' 2003 novel of the same name, and True Story, which is based on the memoir of the same name by Michael Finkel. It stars Jonah Hill, James Franco, and Felicity Jones. The script is based on a true story about the relationship between a journalist, who is sacked for not reporting the full facts in his news story about slave trade in Africa, and a murderer, Chris Longo, who impersonated him before he was locked up in prison. Is there a place for truth in music? Over the centuries, we have learned that although the pursuit of truth engages our entire personality, there is more than one way of grasping it. As Pascal remarked, we know the truth not only by reason, but also by heart. And music has the capacity of reaching out to our hearts and minds, while revealing the truth in different ways. No wonder many musicians have been fascinated with the word truth and the role it plays in our lives. For example, James Blunt wrote his song The Truth from his 2019 album Once Upon a Mind about his wife. He told Apple Music that it's been a long and lonely journey which eventually brought him to his wife, Sophia. When Spandau Ballet released the song True in their third studio album in 1983, the band's guitarist and songwriter Gary Kemp said that True is about how difficult it is to be honest when you're trying to write a love song to someone. Have you listened to Gwen Stefani's song Truth, which is from her third solo album This Is What The Truth Feels Like, released in 2016? 
the song explores the insecurities of starting a new relationship and being honest about your feelings. I can't miss to mention here some of my favorite songs written about truth. Policy of Truth by The Pesh Mode. Moment of Truth by Earth, Wind and Fire. Truth and Honesty by Aretha Franklin. And Give Me Some Truth by John Lennon, which is a protest song from the Vietnam era. It calls out government hypocrisy, chauvinism and the use of propaganda. How relevant John Lennon's song is still today? puzzled the minds of artists, writers, musicians, philosophers, great thinkers, and religious people. As Buddha said once, three things cannot be long hidden, the sun, the moon, and the truth. In Buddhism, particularly in the Mahayana tradition, the notion of truth is often divided into the two truths doctrine, which consists of relative or conventional truth and ultimate truth. In Hinduism, truth is defined as unchangeable. The human body, therefore, is not completely true, as it changes with time. And in Christianity, the truth is viewed as a salvation. According to the Bible in John 14:6, Jesus is quoted as having said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. A dedicated pursuit of truth characterizes the good believer the good scientist, the good historian, and the good detective, but not only. To dedicate your life to truth, or to live in your truth, simply means to live as your most authentic self, doing things daily that bring you happiness and joy, living as true to yourself as possible. This episode was written and produced by me, Yulia Stancheva, for Alpha CRC. My co-hosts are Paul Mangel and Mette Tingi. Sound design, Alpha Studios. Audio engineer, Mikush Nanasi. With special thanks to our guest, Ashley Brown. If you haven't listened to our previous episodes, you can catch up with them on Podbean, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you like this show, please don't forget to share it with others, rate it, and subscribe so you never miss another episode. Thank you for listening. We will be back in two weeks' time. Just say the word. 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 This podcast was brought to you by Alpha CRC. Global enterprise localization, local user experience.